Yes, it is. Is that, is that a question? <laughs> 208. That was that was me not knowing what's going on is what that was. But I pulled it off. You just add one from last week. Is that, is that how that works? Yeah. I thought you would have figured it out by now. Well, here's many. the deal. I'm too old. So oh. I don't remember what last week's number is. So <laughs> if you add one to an unknown, then you get another unknown. Gotcha. Can you freaking so, believe that we're already eight episodes past 200? Yeah. It's... Crazy. Can you freaking believe it's already November? This didn't this year yeah, just like twenty fifteen? I, know, dude, I November. Ah, man. I feel like it was kind of a squandered year, to be honest with you. In in just, what sense? In the RC Heli sense, man. It's just like, like for like, you uh, personally or for the hobby? Yes. No, for me personally. Is it just I just didn't get done what I wanted to get done. And it's too late now. You know what that means? That means broken New Year's resolution. Means you're getting a ball sack trophy. That means I'm getting a ball sack. <laughs> uh, yeah. There is no question that I'm getting the ball so, sack. So, dude, you know, like along those lines, I had a listener send me a, a message or post to my <laughs> Facebook wall. I saw it and you tagged me did on you, it. Thank oh, you. you did? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that I no. may deliver the ball sack trophy in that in massive back scrotum backpack. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! What do you so, think? So be- before we get too far, and we're going to go right back to this subject. Uh, the guys are here. You just heard Jesse and Justin and Nick is uh, gallivanting tonight, not with us. Yes, we'll forgive him this one time. Next time, it's a slap on the knuckles with the ruler. I'm not sure if he was planning on it to be that way. No, it didn't sound like it. Did it, it? was it like a like last a- minute. Oh shit! Uh, this is going longer than I expected. I guess I'll see you guys <laughs> next week. <laughs> So back to this whole ball sack. Yes, yeah. Let's get thing. back to the mm-hmm. to the, the the genitals discussion. I uh, first of all, there is no way in hell that I could do any. Even if I wanted to redeem myself and and try to pull out. First of all, the resolutions. <laughs> resolution what? Yeah, ain't happening. I just uh, I there's no doubt. But my question is this. Yes. How does the transfer happen? In other words, you have it now. Yes. How how does it come to my possession? You know, that's a that's a really good question because this is only the first year we've done it. So yeah. we've got to we got to come up with something. You know, I I feel like if we waited too long past the new year, it would sort of lose its excitement, but I'll be honest, the first thought I had was the first fun fly of the season. Yeah, I guess that, that works. But I'm I'm actually now that we're talking about this whole ball sack thing. Yes. I'm kind of thinking about 
some of the stipulations that were, or the stipulations might be the wrong word, some of the conditions by which the winner of the Balsack Trophy was supposed to, things you were supposed That's to do. That's true. I don't think you did those like things, Justin. Any. I think that means you should have to have it for another <laughs> year. He could be. That's, oh. That is correct. That's a breach of contract. Yeah, no. he could have broken the ball sack contract. Come on, what what is it that we two? agreed to? Because I'm not, I'm not understanding. I believe the, now. Don't don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that. One of the conditions of winning the Ballsack Trophy was one pitcher a month mm-hmm. delivered on social media. Yep, with the trophy uh, with, in the picture. With the trophy in the picture. Somehow, yes, whether it's discreetly that, that or that actually happens to be the case. However, however, uh, you know, early in the year when I finally got a hold of said Ballsack, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I went up to Bellingham. And went flying. Nick and Jesse and I went out flying. I do remember. And Nick took a picture of me with the ball sack and was so disgusted by its sight that I don't think he wanted us to post that on our well, on our Nick's Facebook call. wall. Yeah, that's your contract, buddy. That's not Nick's call. I understand. But in this particular case, Nick's opinion was beneficial to me. So, oh, so you abided by I, it? So in, in I this, was rolling in this with case, it. <laughs> in this case, it's all right. It's a valid Look, opinion. if you would like, I will go and take... So there was one picture posted. I will go and take a picture for every month that I have missed it and post a collage of 11 additional pictures on our Facebook wall for you guys by the end of the year. That would be great. One a week. Well, no, 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 no. It's going to be all at one. It's going to be like a quilt of ball sacks. It's a quilt of ball sacks. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Okay. And then we'll come up with, I, I think it's got to be at Othello, Dan. I really do. You and know, there's a ritual. So first of all, um, a ritual. <laughs> the, the ball the, sack the ritual. The current owner of the ball sack has to bequeath it to the new owner with some new exciting thing that's going to be the scrotum backpack i'm also out of kindness to you and understanding that you had a rough year going to give you uh the ball sack filled with jolly ranchers because i know you like jolly ranchers and it happens to be a really great candy bowl that's disgusting and (laughs) the final transfer (laughs) of ownership will occur only after it has rubbed against your chin. Oh. And then as mm. the owner, you need to do something new. You've got to add to it in whatever right. way you see fit. I see I see that we need to change things up a little bit. I think that the ball sack does not follow the calendar year. The ball sack Starts and ends at Othello. I mean, that just makes sense. I think I think that works. The season it 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 starts and ends at the season. So that means I don't have to worry about it till next May. Yeah, but it's reflective of your performance at the previous calendar year, (laughs) right? It's like, dude, it's like taxes. The IRS doesn't rub their balls against your chin until April (laughs) fifteenth. (laughs) 
and and there's no Jolly Ranchers. No, there's that. A, yeah, that's right. There's no Jolly Ranchers. There's nothing sweet about no. that. It's just raw and, uh, and so, a violation okay, so of your privacy. So does that mean that you're obligated to take a picture until till May? How does that? I don't understand. Or do I? I mean, how can I take a picture if I don't have it till May? Yeah, that's I guess is what I'm asking. That's a good point. We'll have to think. So that means about you that. have to. That means you have to continue to take pictures until May. I have to so maintain. Got, I have to. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe the the picture, the duties of taking the pictures only from Othello to the end of the year. That's fair enough. You know, yeah, that works. I mean, who wants and then to the see ball sack kind of takes a, of a it, ball it goes sack. into hibernation from yeah, from got, you know the first of the year the until Othello. Yeah, from all the chafing. Yeah, exactly. It needs it needs a little bit it's of a some rest. rest. That's disgusting. I have to t- tell you, Dan, this is a fantastic opening conversation. It really is. It really is. I hook, I, line, um, and sinker. That's right. I guess they made the, it past. Yeah, this. if you guys have made <laughs> I mean, it past if, this, then you are in. <laughs> if Nick was here, he would have. He would have tried to shut it down by now. Well, probably unsuccessful. I'm glad but. he's not here then. Because <laughs> this All is right, serious so business. The, it is. We got the ball business out of the way. Yes. Right. Hmm. You guys been doing anything fun this week? Anything? Been doing you know, a little bit. Heli stuff? Some heli stuff. Really? I saw some pictures on Facebook. Yeah, you saw a picture of the clean pipe? Yeah. Yeah, you like, so, you like that? That was impressive. That was probably a, you know, a really clean pipe. Oh, this yeah. was the N7 picture, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then didn't you get some dude ask you to show a picture of your feet? <laughs> like the second comment. It's like, oh, that's really cool. Can you take a picture of your feet? And then I, I was like, feet or fleet? <laughs> I think he meant fleet. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Like, wow, he's really playing off the pipe comment. <laughs> oh, God. So, Jesse. No, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Since yeah, we're, yeah. we're already discussing this. So, it was actually uh about as good i think as good of a week as you can have without getting in some actual stick time so i still you know it's i don't think we're going through every single week and going no fly no buy you know that whole ritual that we used to go through but i do have to take a no fly but with that being said i would say it's it was kind of forced in a sense the weather's been absolutely terrible i know it just seems like a broken record but it really has been horrible there's been on the weekend, zero days where it's been sunny or even not raining for more than like an hour. So really horrible weather. This last week, I continued to tear down the nitro and get the N7 torn apart. Some of you guys saw the pictures that I posted on Facebook and I just completely cleaned it all up. I mean, I had the mother's Megan aluminum polish out and I was going back over the, the grips and the tail and um, the pipe, the you know, cleaning off every single part, getting it completely repolished up for hopefully more flying this year if the weather ever breaks. But for sure, just kind of that year, that yearly check-in, checking tail bearings and clutch bearings and clutch stack and all that stuff. So got that torn down, cleaned, and put back together uh, this week. And then something else I did was, I think, Dan, when you and Nick did your trailer swap... I believe that red toolbox, did that come out of your heli trailer? 
It did, yeah. That you left at Nick's. Okay, so I finally last weekend, it, it had been sitting in Nick's for months. I finally last weekend went over there and got it and replaced a couple of my kind of cheaper, flimsy Rubbermaid um, toolboxes that I did have all my heli stuff in for at home. Um, so I did a whole bunch of reorganizing once again and transferred everything out of those cheap Rubbermaid containers and organized it all and put it in those nice, uh, sturdy toolboxes. Did you leave the Thunder Tiger sticker on there? I left every sticker on there. Nice. Oh, yeah. Now, did you get both cabinets? Or I just did. Just one? No, I did. Nice. I got the... So I'm using the... Currently, I'm using the lower one, and I haven't found a use yet for the upper one. Because um, I, I already have like a... I already have a similar toolbox for actual you know garage-type tools, wrenches, socket sets, and hammer, and all that type of stuff. And so... This one that I grabbed from Nick that was yours is just strictly for heli stuff. This was something that you just didn't want anymore, Dan, or Nick didn't want? I don't understand. No, I mean, Nick didn't want it. And so when I was up at Nick's last, when I picked up the small trailer, uh, we were just kind of, you know, staring at it going, what are we going to do with this? And I'm, and he's like, well, we could sell it. I'm like, that's, that's a hassle. I mean... You got to go meet someone or someone's got, you know, you don't want strangers coming to your house off Craigslist or whatever. And mm-hmm. and I was just like, shit, let's just call Jesse and see if he could use it. So, damn. Yeah, no, it's, deal. it's perfect. It actually fits, fits uh, right under my bench in the garage. The lower section does. Yeah. And so just nice. tucked it up under there and transferred a bunch of stuff and ended up, as always, finding a whole bunch of stuff that just went in the trash old stuff that'd been stacked i don't even know the last time i went through all those drawers so it was good to go through that stuff just kind of mental inventory get stuff reorganized so i know where everything is once again and then today so i did have to work a little bit this morning but for some reason at work i got this idea where it's like when i get home from work, i only had to work a half day so till 11 when i get home from work i really want to dig into some V-bar logging, telemetry type stuff, and pull some of my logs from the previous E7 flights and kind of you know, do some Excel stuff, make some graphs, and just look at some of the data and learn about a little bit better about the capabilities of the V-control and, and the uh, telemetry and the logging. And so I got home and plugged the V-control into the computer and went and pulled the log file. And at first I was really confused, and I haven't actually gone and pulled the csv file before and loaded it up in excel to see what data is in there and so you know you plug the v control into the computer and whether you're on mac or windows it it reads it right away and pops up in your either in your computer or just on your desktop for mac and you can just access the file structure of the sd card that's in the transmitter and so i go and i pull the csv file and all i find at first is just battery logging information so it just there's like 30, 40 rows of data. And it's basically just showing me my, the cycles that I have on my OptiPower packs and, you know, max current, max wattage, starting voltage, ending voltage, all that kind of stuff. But it's just a, a snapshot of the flight. It doesn't give me, you know, it wasn't the data that I was looking for in a sense where it's logging however many data points per second of current watt, it, you know, watts. Yeah. Um, all that type of stuff. The, That's the kind of time was, history. Exactly. Kind of like you would pull off your Castle ESC or other telemetry right. systems. And so at first I was really bummed because I was like, no way. I, how did I not know that 
because I could have swore when I was talking to other guys before I got the V control that they they had said you know it was fully telemetry logging capable and that you could go and pull that data so it, it can help you troubleshoot and it, it or you can just kind of mess around with it that's what that's what I'd planned on doing so at first I was super bummed because I'm like this is, can't be right that the V you know it doesn't have this capabilities I could have swore that at one point in time someone told me it did. So after a little bit more digging, I found out that there is a little setting in the applications menu when you have that current sensor hooked up. You go into the application for the current sensor, and there's a write log setting. And so I did go through and check that, but unfortunately that meant that there was no log that had been um, previously written for me to go pull and kind of mess around with. So in future weeks, I plan to leave that check log box on and I'm really really curious now to see I'm hoping it'll give me everything that was kind of in that battery log snapshot but that whole all that information throughout the entire flight so Uh, the default is just recording sort of like end of flight summary data yeah so every every time when I so with the V control I, I plug in my I plug in the battery or the current sensor and it pops up on the screen and since I don't have the uh, wireless reader for the batteries, I manually select which battery. So let's say OptiPower 5000s. Select those. You go through your flight. And I'm using all the telemetry for my timers and all that type of stuff. And then at the end of the flight, when I unplug the current sensor, up pops this menu or the screen that gives me kind of the flights, uh, flight snapshot, I guess. The time, milliamps consumed, starting voltage, ending voltage max current, um, all that information. And so that was all that was available from the battery log folder that was on the transmitter. Um, So it kept track of every single cycle, and each time you plug in the battery and unplug it, it adds another line to that CSV file. Um, But it just gives you those kind of high-level statistics for for that single flight. Um, So what other... data are you looking to acquire well i wanted to see like you know over the entire flight amperage voltage wattage ripple voltage you know seeing the health of the batteries um and digging into all that kind of stuff it's gone a little bit deeper dan make some cool graphs and yeah spreadsheets and work some math and you know that that type of stuff i didn't go to math school i didn't go to math school (laughs) I don't know how to work math. Yeah, math. so math, religion, and electricity are meant to be feared. Can you view the the data on the actual V control screen, Jesse? I have no idea because I don't have a log file right now. Ah, okay. From from the little bit of reading I've done, I I believe you can. Now I'll, I'll find this out once I go fly and actually give, have a log file that I can pull. But another cool thing is, I believe it's just a V control or V bar user, um, and I found this on HeliFreak. He goes by the name of Linus Larson. Linus. He's actually yeah, Linus. Yeah. There you go. And he's written a program that's you can go download for Mac and Windows. And when you plug your V control in, it automatically recognizes that your V control's been connected. It asks you if you want to download the log files. And you can kind of import everything right into this program he's written, and it will grab. You can manipulate all the data right yeah. there. It'll give you yep. all the graphs. It'll do 
everything for you right there too. So if you can't, which I'm honestly not sure at this point if you can or cannot view it, um, there's other convenient ways to view it on your computer as well. Hmm. So sweet, dude. The the telemetry is once you get it, and I mean this is not a before people start sending hate mail or fanboy mail. This has nothing to do with radio brand. Any radio that gives you the mm-hmm. ability to do telemetry logging is awesome. And if you haven't seen it yet, if you haven't done it yourself, even if you're not interested in getting crazy and nerdy, kind of like it sounds like you want to do and like I do with the speed stuff, mm-hmm. just being able to track standard stuff like receiver voltage, uh, servo current or pack battery consumption, cycles. battery cycles. Doesn't mean you have to go plot it, but all that stuff's super useful. And you know, the other one, this one's weird because a lot of people, they seem to be surprised when I tell them this, but one of the ones that I use a lot, especially on new models, is antenna strength. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know if V Control or Futaba or those have it. But on Jetty, you can do antenna strength for both of the uh, of the receiver antennae. And so you can go and do a range check and move around and put it in different orientations and then go back and look at either in real time or plot how the antenna strength is throughout that that test or throughout a flight. So you can get a feel for whether or not you've got any sort of blockage or other issues. So I, I, I'll tell you, if, if you can afford to get a telemetry radio, I really think yep. it's worthwhile. Well, yeah, and then you know, and there's kind of that break between having the telemetry and the transmitter is able to read it and use your maybe your consumption for your timer. And it's using all that information, but then logging it and being able to bring it over to a computer is very useful as well. Is there a heat sensor? Yeah, you can get yeah, temperature temp sensors. sensors. I've got four of them in my Diablo Speed. Yep, yep. Battery temperatures, ambient temperature in the fuselage, motor, ESC. Nice. And the V-Bar has that one? And Jetty? Jetty does. I, I can't speak to what the V-Bar has, but I'd imagine I it's a temperature. I believe it does. Not sure. But yeah, so uh, you guys and your fancy newfangled radios. Yep. Ah, don't worry, Dan. He'll jump on the bus sooner or later. Well, dude, you have a 14 SG. Yeah. So and you have a what's your JR? I'm sorry. Uh, what is your geez. employer's JR? There you go. <laughs> uh, XG 14. Been a while Both since I've used of those it. <laughs> have telemetry. Yeah, but I don't need it. I don't need well, telemetry. Okay. So, Again, Dan, you had it before me. It's not a matter of needing it, right? This is one of those things truly where you don't know what you don't know. So, yeah, yeah but, you've mm-hmm. lived. Even if I had you've it. lived okay, the so simple I've had telemetry. Life. I've never used it. I, I'm, I, I understand. I'm saying that. If you go and give it a try, I think you'll find that, do you need it? No, you don't need it. No one needed telemetry five or ten years ago. We well, still what I'm don't, saying is I did try telemetry with the 14. What did you try? Taba. Yeah, what? 
It's got the 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 uh uh RX pack telemetry. Like the the receiver, receiver battery? Device. Yeah. Okay, so like voltage. Yeah. That's useful nonetheless, all right. Yeah. I I yeah, I thought it was cool for one or two flights and then I never looked at it again. So you, you, you don't feel like every... having the ability to set off an alarm. That's what I was when say. your receiver vol- No, because I know that I got three flights. Well, I could go to four if I want, mm. but every third flight I have to charge so, and replace the battery. Let me go back to the first line or second line of the show. Dan, you're old, man. Oh, Forget Jesse. <laughs> what the How hell, do you know? Man, what I... if you what if you've done five flights on it? But I know I haven't. All right. Like I said last week, I'm not a smart man, but I know when I need to change my battery. All right. Jeez, I don't need to, I don't need a computer to tell me that shit, right? Justin? Uh, yeah. but dude, can't win. I mean, some, I could extend your argument to, dude, I don't need a computer to stabilize my helicopter, then put a flybard head back on it. You know, I'm not going to lie. That thought has crossed oh, my mind. Oh, dude. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's off the deep end. I want some. I, you know what? Tell me how cool it would be to have an old flybard machine again. You know, okay. Seriously, I, You know guys? what? I'm going to admit it. I'm going to admit it. That conversation actually came up today. I was talking to, to Reagan about Nitro stuff in text. And we were talking about Wayland's Flybard 700 Nitro, and mm-hmm. Reagan's been trying to get his Flybard back together, but he keeps like stealing parts off of it for his other models. And I said, you know what? It would actually be kind of cool, maybe only for a few flights, to go back to my original Align 700 Nitro Flybard LE. And give it a try. I don't know if I'd even be able to fly the damn thing because it's been so long on flybarless. But do you remember how to set up a flybar head? Even I, if you quizzed me right now, I'd fail. I yeah. think if you it was sitting watch, in front of me, I'd figure it out. I'd I'd be able yep. to get back to it if it was sitting in front of me. But I don't know. I don't think I have a flybar lock anymore. I got rid of my EL five hundred from Ron. Lund. Yep, I dude, I had one of those too. <laughs> I know, right? I love it. I love it. <laughs> In fact, when Nick and I were cleaning out my trailer, I bet you we found, I don't know, 10 or 15 fly bars. Man. Save the fly bar, dude. That's right. Shish kebabs. Skewers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then that, that, uh, that fly bar for the, uh, for the Bergen that I had. It was like a four millimeter stainless steel <laughs> rod that you could. I was going to say, dude, that's not a fly bar. That's a main shaft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's like, God, thing had to be, had to be eighteen inches. It was huge. Wow, man! And the KBDD paddles. Oh that yeah, were like oh yes. The, the bright orange, the ones that you threaded on, right? Yeah, <laughs> those were the days, man. I used those Curtis paddles exclusively. Days. What's that? I used Curtis, uh, Radix paddles. Use the stubs. Yeah, the stubs. Oh, man. I never used carbon fiber. Never, ever once did I use carbon fiber paddles. Really? Yeah. I just refused to pay that much money for a goddamn paddle. It was ridiculous. 
Yeah, now that I think about it, that is a cost that no longer exists, right? Yeah, but it's made up for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is. (laughs) It is. I mean, we weren't buying fly barless controllers, right? We were flying uh, GP750s from a line, right? That used to be my one of my favorites. Oh, GP yeah, I had one of those. Online. We digress. We do. Jesse, is yep. that uh, wrap your week up? Or you got anything more to tell us? Since yeah, we've been no, I, I you? think that pretty much wraps it up. You know, this week has just been one of those weeks where I have been dying to get out and fly. Like, you know, typically you kind of you can go through the week. Oh, the weather's bad. The weather's bad. Not flying. Not flying. But this week it's like. Oh my God, the rain needs to stop. I need, I want to get out and fly. So hopefully we'll see if the weather breaks at all this weekend, but not, it's not looking too good. So eventually though, it will stop and I will get some flying in. Might not be till next May, but it will <sighs> oh stop. Oh my gosh. I would have to probably start <laughs> flying the sim again or something. That's, Jeez. The, that's the price you guys pay <laughs> for living up there with the rest of the centers where the rain is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Just when you thought that the guys at Soco Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soco Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soco Heli Tools mobile app. This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. This new mobile software will do everything that your original SoCo kit did, but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the SoCo team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out. Soco Heli Tools, next generation setup. So how about uh, you, Justin? Yeah, so my week was okay. I mean, the weather's been pretty horrible here. It's It rained pretty much all week, except there was a little bit of a break in the weather on Wednesday, and I anticipated that. And so, drum roll, please. I actually finished the Goblin 380 rebuild. Whoa. Yes. Took you like nine months. Yeah, dude. Like, I think I crashed it in July (laughs) in between practice flights on the speed. And I just put it down and never bothered with it from there. I had the parts like the next week because I figured "Ah, I'll bring it to Urcha. Nah, never happened. But. Yeah, like like usual, and you know, we were kind of talking about this with you last week, Dan. You just got to get over that hurdle and start. And so I got started uh, early in the week. I think I started on Sunday and was just kind of leisurely about it because I was messing with other projects and picked it back up Monday night. Uh, sort of got a second win, which nowadays seems to be rare because I do stay up late still, but not nearly the way I used to. Like not to two or three in the morning to get heli stuff done. So it was up until like one on Monday, got it finished up and uh, basically packed it in my car for work for the rest of the week and got a good opportunity on uh, Wednesday. The weather actually broke 
made sure everything worked out. You know, I, I couldn't put all of my packs through it, but it is flying nicely. It's got a nice new canopy. And then I went, so I went down on the tail pulley tooth count so that I could get a, a little bit of a speed up because I don't run it at the RPM that most people do. And then I went up on the motor pulley by one tooth so that I could get a higher end, but still, um, you know, with the 890 KV motor on 6S, it's it's set up such that from 60 to 80% on the ESC is pretty much between like 2,600 and 3,400, somewhere in that range. So on the low end, I've got the tail speed up. And then on the high end, uh, I can jet around and have fun doing sort of quasi speed crap when I want to. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. It, it it just reinforces how awesome that freaking model is. And I'm yeah. struggling to not try the three blade. Ooh. Just do it. Why are you struggling? Just, just for do it. it. Well, I... Okay, let's talk about why I'm struggling. Because I'm struggling with a lot of stuff nowadays. Um, one is, do I get a Protos? I, I was set on the Protos. I mean, th- this is like a broken record. We've talked about this for three episodes now. Then, the Nitro thing kicked in. And, dude, I really think I want a Nitro, Dan. Yeah, but... You just went down this road like a year and a half ago. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You had the rave. Yeah, and you want to know the only reason why I didn't keep the rave? Because you couldn't find parts for it? Yeah, and because when I crashed it very mildly at Othello, it was a freaking (laughs) rekit. Because I was lucky enough to land on the one side, in the one orientation where the whole frame collapses like a house of cards. I loved that model. I've been missing nitro. (laughs) I got a couple of them. I may buy one of your engines. I've got two nitro machines and four nitro motors. Mm. Time to double up, man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I haven't decided on the three blade head. I, I mean, what I'm what I'm uh, stuck with right now is I was originally going to do swap out all the parts from the 770 into a Protos just to see whether I like the Protos better than the 770 in that large heli size. And it didn't make a difference. Whichever one I liked better would stay and then the loser would go away, get sold. But. Now I'm wondering, do I keep the 770 as is? And go with the three blade head on the 380 and really give that a try. Because I feel like if I'm going to get the 380, I got to put time in. You can't half ass a three blade. You really got to. And we know that from Nick's experience this year. There's a lot of tuning. You got to play around with it and figure out what settings work best for you. Basically, I have to go back and reset up the whole model. Or do I pull the stuff out of the 770? and put it in a nitro model. What are you going to do with the 770? You know, I gonna sell it? I don't know, man. Here here's my you, twisted way of thinking. You like that machine, I dude. love my 770. I do. I absolutely do. 
The only thing I don't like about it is crash costs, but that's not usually an issue. Uh, and and it, it would not be the reason why I would get rid of it or not buy it again, to be honest. But what I like the most about it is that it is floaty and it can be slow and uh, and just nice and smooth. Well, the disc loading on the 770 is almost exactly the same as the disc loading on today's current 700 nitros with like 690 to 710 blades. Yeah. So I should get something that feels somewhat similar. Well, and that makes smoke. Yeah, and that has soul. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like getting back to the roots. So you're going to put a fly bar on it? No. No, 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 no. We're <laughs> no, not doing fly Not that no. far back. But I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> I think you should do it. I should replace the 770 what? with a nitro. Why don't you just no, buy no, another no, no, setup? No. Yeah, just buy a whole new just setup. build one. Yeah. I've got some MKS servos I'll sell you. The problem with buying a new setup is it, it's not, I mean, yes, it does cost more money. However, it's getting to the point where I've got, so I got three speed helis. Actually, I've Dude, got four speed helis. Do not helis. wait. Do, don't go down this what? road. You're about to tell us that you've got too many helis. Yes, I was about to tell you that. You no. don't buy it? No. Why not? Because you have your speed machines, which are very purpose-driven mm-hmm. machines. You know, those have a purpose. You use those to go get ready to compete, and then you do your speed stuff. It Those are in a category all to themselves. So you can't really count you don't those even in think your they count. daily flyer machines. No, because they're purposeful. They have a... They're, they're, you know, a machine, a regular 3D nitro or an electric is just for fucking off. You know, you can have too many of those machines. But the speed machines, those are those are different. They're a different category. So you can't include them. You can't those. add them. They don't add. Ah. They don't, yeah. Not similar. Well, then in that regard, all I have is a 770 and a 380. See? Mm, so sounds you like you nitro. need more. <laughs> oh, you guys saw. You could. Okay, I got this. I got this. You could sell one cosmic and build two nitros. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you bought a lines, you could just shake the box and open them up and they'd be fully assembled for you. Ready to fly. Just got to put a little Loctite in them. Oh, or not. I don't know. Or not. <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's an interesting topic. I I want to talk about that, but I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right. So that leaves me. I think that leaves you, dude. Having a trailer full of new helis isn't anything to complain about, but we're still talking about the same old dumb thumbing triple sow cow and Charlie Chaplin autoing pilot behind the sticks. Now, I'm not exactly easy on my helis, and when I need parts, I need them fast. This is where Lower Heli comes to the rescue. With a great variety of my personal favorite heli parts and batteries, no matter how bad the crash, I'm sure to be able to get right back in the air to do it all over again. Fly lower at www.lowerheli.com. No flying this week, but I'm okay with that because 
I want to first, well, first of all, let me start with, I was just amazed at how many emails I got this week regarding what I talked about last week, uh, during what I was up. Oh, nice. I of had support or of yes, equal situations. Dude, dude, I, yes, I had listeners literally write full page, like, like novels. I mean, telling me their stories and how it just resonated with what they are going through at that, this particular time. And, and some guys were like, look, I'm completely by myself out here. I don't have anybody to fly with. And I was really, you know, listeners that are really questioning their hobby and, and just like feeling bad about it because, and then, you know, they're just, they got all this stuff and it's like, Oh, what, what, why, you know, I didn't even want to look at it. It's, it's, it makes me, you know, it makes them feel bad to see all this heli stuff, but they just don't have the desire at this particular moment in time to do anything about it. And they just related to me, several people related to me that it was nice to hear that from somebody else, you know, that, that the hobby will still be here. Even if you step away or even just back away, not necessarily completely ignore it. Just, you know, check in the forums once a week. Of course, listen to RC Heli Nation every week. Um, but not really like worry that you've got a, a corner full of heli parts and shit that needs to be built because you just don't feel like doing it. And that that will come back. The feeling will come back. But it was nice. And thank you to all the listeners that, that did write me. And I haven't gotten back to everybody yet. So um, some of you wrote some pretty detailed letters that I don't want to just uh, ask, like write thanks and yada, yada, yada. I really want to kind of read it and fully understand what you're saying and respond. So there's a few that I have yet to get back to. So I will. But moving forward uh, from last week, there are some... Some plans. I've got some plans that I'm not really going to reveal, but soon. No. Oh, yes. Man. No. And, and it's the for worst real. Games. The the phone calls have been made. The plans Checks are been underway. Written. Checks have not been written because oh. there's still a little bit of research to do. But I will say, I've been talking with Carrie Shirley. Hint, yes. Hint. Um. I've been talking with a few other people on the electronic side of things. Not going to go into that because dude, that's a whole new ball of wax. Gasser. Uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, tell you this within, and this is an absolute written in stone guarantee that within three weeks, I will have a gasser conversion of some sort. Flying? If not, if not more. Than, no, no. In <laughs> the my kit. Position. Sweet, dude. Are you going to put something behind that statement? What do you want? A bet? I don't know. I just. Hold on. What confident. did you say? Within how many weeks? Three. Within th- within three So weeks. can we say by December me, 1st of 2015. It will be ordered. It may not be here because I don't, you know, there's some issues that are beyond my control, but the, but the order will have been placed by the end of the, by, by what? December 5th. Let's go with that. Funds will have been transferred. 
Is that four weeks? Let's go. I'm just giving you you crap. Yeah, we'll give him four weeks. It's all fine. That's fine. Let's December do that. December 5th. December 5th. Are we betting something? For your pride. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm excited. And uh, I will tell you this. The the first one that will be coming is going to be the E700 conversion with the TRM30 and the pipe that Carrie has made. Nice, dude. Nice. And I'm pretty excited about it uh, because it was it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, you know, cause the electric stuff, you know, I had, you know, I got a couple and it's just like, yeah, the nitro stuff. Yeah. Um, but I've been wanting to kind of give gasser another shot because I was talking with Gary about this and the reality of it is they've come a long ways. Now I did a Helibug 600 conversion back when they first came out Yep, and it was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I did an RJX gasser and this was a native gasser. Well, it was claimed to be native, but all they did was take a extreme 90 and sl- slap a couple new bolt holes in it. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> so it, that was a piece of shit. Uh, anyway, you, you should shape it for it. And I had the Bergen and the Bergen was, I don't, I don't think the Bergen was a piece of shit. I think that there was a poor choice of some, uh, components material that they mm-hmm. chose which caused some issues and it was definitely a builder's model. You know, when you buy a a kit and you have to assemble the, uh, tail drive, I mean, literally from pieces. What do you mean? Assemble the tail drive? Oh dude, there was a carrier bearing. You had to assemble, you had to epoxy in the umbrella gears and you had to assemble the carrier bearing that was down the pipe, down the boom. Oh, damn. You had to drill holes in the uh, aluminum arrow shaft so you could pinch no it. No way. Yeah. I mean, go look at some Bergen Gasser build videos and you'll see. It, I mean, it was... So that was a daunting machine uh, for a brand new guy in the hobby. I think I bought that when I was just maybe a two or three months into the hobby. And, uh, mm. you know, the most I was ever able to do with it was a uh, hover and a little bit of forward flight, but nothing, uh, nothing to speak of, but I flew a lot of hours of hovering on it. If that, if that counts for anything, but I'm looking forward to it. I just remember having the gasser and, you know, things have changed and I enjoyed the flight time. I enjoyed the relative ease of tuning a gasser. You know, it's fairly, I don't know. I think it's fairly easy to tune a gasser and, um, I'm looking forward to see how it's changed. I mean, a lot's changed back when I did it, you did the, uh, mechanical gains for the throttle and you had GV one governors, you know, and, um, uh, stator gators. I don't know if you're using stator. I, I guess you would have to still use stator gators. In a yeah, gasser, right? absolutely. You do. Um, you know, it's all that stuff. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's familiar territory territory for me because i've done it before but it's been a long long time good dude and uh flying i didn't really get you know i look i flew um carl's right yep and that and by the way carl thank you so much for that offer 
Uh, I know that it was available to me to fly as much as I wanted, but I've got this thing about flying other people's machines. When I fly other people's machines, I tend to just fly them six feet off the ground and that's it because I don't want to crash. It's not that I don't, I mean, of course I'd pay for it, but I just, I hate, it's like, oh dude, fuck, I'm sorry. You know, fuck, I know it's going to be work. You got to put it all back together. I I just drove your machine in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I did it to Ed, you know, and that was completely my fault. I mean, we were brand new 600. <laughs> I didn't have that thing up in the air for more than 15 seconds. In fact, if you look on our Facebook page, that video is like right on top. Yep, you, I did see yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That was a crash I mean, I, on the Maiden, wasn't it? It was. And, you know, so he's like all <laughs> excited, brand new, shiny helicopter. So excited he calls his wife down to the flying field to see it oh. fly for the first time. That thing wasn't in the air for more than 15 seconds, and it just ate itself to pieces. That's why I'm not real keen on flying other people's stuff. But needless to say, I did get to fly it, and um, you know it was set up the way Carl likes it, which is you know everybody's setup is subjective to their own. Uh, so it was a little uncomfortable in that sense, and but it was, I liked it. And I wanted, it was like, I really want to go down this road. So, yeah. There's one other big thing that I'm fixing to do here. Um, As most everybody knows, Nick and I swapped trailers. I had a 18 foot by 8 by 18 foot Charmac, big ass trailer that I didn't really have anything to pull it with. Yep. Because my truck. My three-quarter ton truck took a shit. And I was trying to scramble pretty much all summer trying to figure out what, you know, what are we, what am I going to do here? And um, so my thought process, and you guys have all, you guys all went through this with me. I went through that short little flatbed, right? I used that for a while and it worked. Kind of got tired of it. Uh, Nick and I made our arrangement and I went out to pick up his trailer and, and I was using it and it was working great, but I hadn't been spending a lot of time other than flying or using it at work um, last week, or I guess it was early this week, I went out there after I got home for the express purpose of working on a helicopter because I have my nitros out there. And I opened the door, and I hadn't really put much thought into this, but I opened the door, and bam, what's sitting right there is my scooter. And, of course, that trailer's 10 feet long. The scooter's you know, almost five feet long. Not a lot of room left. Zero room left, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I had room to sit at the bench, but I would have had to climb over the scooter to get to the, to get to the helis and shit. You know, I couldn't open any of the drawers. And so I just said to myself, if I only had four more feet. Oh, dude. Oh, man. That <laughs> one simple sentence just cost me thousands of dollars, didn't it? <laughs> it did. So I hemmed and hawed for a day and a half or so, and I um, I called Nick, um, and I wanted to talk to him about it, and I wanted to, I prefaced it with like, okay, so, you know, just so you know, I'm absolutely completely content and happy and glad that we've made these tra- trades and, and we've done these swaps, so don't read too much into what I'm about to tell you. And he's like, uh, okay. 
I said, I think I am going to buy another trailer. And I said, and the main reason was why I just told you guys. And he's like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. Nobody thought, I didn't think about it either. If the scooter's in there and it's winter, I can't just put the scooter outside. It's got to be in the trailer with me, right? Because it doesn't, I don't want to leave it yep. out in the yep. weather. Mm-hmm. So we kind of talked about it and he, and I asked him if I were to buy another trailer, if I took it out to Bellingham, would he, uh, work his magic on it? And we both kind of got excited about that idea. And we, and now that, you know, I built my first trailer, Nick's built two now between the two of us and what we've discovered, I think that the layout that Nick has kind of perfected right, is really perfect and ideal. And I kind of just want to emulate exactly what he's done in the big trailer at a smaller scale. Right. And so we got to talking about that and, and uh, it just made sense. So I stopped in at my, uh, where I bought that trailer and I got some uh, information and um, I'm pretty sure I got to put some more thought into it because it is going to be a fairly heavy expense, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to order a new one and it's going to be black. It's going to be rivetless. Ooh. How do they do rivetless? I don't know. I guess they super glue that shit to the wall. Huh? I don't know, man, but it looks really slick. They had one there and it looked amazing. It's going to be black. Hmm. Gonna have some uh, RCHN information put on it, you know, some uh, decals, some some logos, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do it. That's we'll freaking cool, dude! Nice. I need that'll to be get awesome. One. Yeah, and so you guys are killing uh, yeah. me here. <laughs> you, t- Justin, you've got two. I don't have a single Justin, one. Justin, you have you have two purchases though to get. Well, I guess a heli trailer that size, you'd have to get another vehicle too. Yeah, that's exactly what would have to happen. The Scion is yeah, not going to pull even that. Even get thing. one the size of my little one. Yeah, yeah. you'd have to get a new. Trailer. Yeah. So what I'm going to do though, because I don't have room for two, is uh, I'm going to let you two fight over it, <laughs> and one of you can use it. I don't care, and then we can figure out what we're going to do down the line. Jesse, it's got to be you, dude. I think I will. I'll so, pull my car apart if I try oh, yeah, to tow use that it thing. slash. Buy it from you. Buy it if you know if you're so you inclined, deck or it, deck if you, it out a little more. And, sure, you know if it's too short for you, you're more than welcome to use it, and then we can just sell it when you're done with it when you get another one. But either way, that, that's neither here nor there. We'll work those details out. Oh yeah. Uh, but I will be bringing it. Um, well, provided I go through with it, because I gotta, I gotta, I haven't yet figured out what the total cost is going to be. I know what the base price is, but. Going through all the brochures and figuring out all the little goodies, the shit adds up real fast. So I got to kind of think about that. But all that aside, if I do do it, uh, I would suspect it'll take, oh, uh, you know, two months to get it, which means I'll be bringing that little trailer over to Washington. Uh, well, I'll be dropping it off with Nick uh, for Nick to work on it, and then when I come pick it up, I'll bring it back. And then, bam! Everybody except Justin has a job. Uh, don't worry. My plan is to get one over the winter. Yeah, nice. that's going to be a good winter project. Then we'll be decked out. You got to get a black one. Oh, absolutely. And then I got to get nice a big sticker. 
Yeah, big sticker. Four hey. RCHN trailers all in a row. Yes. Wouldn't that be sweet? At the fun flies. Oh, yeah. That would be really <laughs> The only awesome. problem's going to be that now I'm going to want to drive everywhere. Well, and, and Dan, you know what I was kind of thinking, too, is now that I have the, uh, the motorhome, mm-hmm. I'm not sure I could really get much bigger of a trailer because i mean my, my motorhome is not like nick's whereas the v you know nick has a v10 and is a little bit shorter lighter motorhome mine has a little you know smaller engine and it's a larger motorhome and i don't think i could tow a much larger trailer than that, that one. is true anyways so it's like Just, you, you kind of get capped pretty quick once yeah. again by the trailer size it's so. gonna be awesome and then you know, we'll show up. Nick will have his decked out trailer. Uh, Jesse will have the smaller RCHN trailer. I'll have a trailer, and then Justin will show up with a U-Haul trailer. No, dude, I will have one by next season. <laughs> okay, are you? Is that a promise? I, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Good stuff. So this week for me has been uh, basically. Really looking into the gasser stuff, talking with Carrie, uh, and um, trying to get that figured out, and considering considering a new, uh, another trailer. So, been a pretty busy week. I mean, that's all heli related. It's not directly flying, but it's definitely it's getting me really excited again, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's planning on to, spending money. Yeah, that's maybe that's the that's fun about part. as heli related as it gets. Oh yeah, that that's <laughs> impulsive. <the key. laughs> It's impulsive. You know, you just, I, I'm looking forward to to doing that conversion. And it's, the, the thing of it is, is the most expensive part of that conversion is the motor. So that's that, not too That's bad. true. The motor and the pipe. Yeah. You know, you're looking at 600 bucks for the motor and the pipe and then 400 bucks for the uh, 470, I think, for the conversion. Yep. Uh, it's not bad. Well, then you got to buy a little, you know, shits and giggles, fuel line. Shit like that, but should have that going. Definitely ordered, like I said, by the 1st of December. And then uh, it'll show up just in time for Christmas, maybe. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been up to. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't fly any of those which shall remain unnamed this week at all. None? Mm -mm. Oh, so you had the week off. No, I didn't have the week off. I hired a guy to do flying for me. <laughs> Thinking smarter. It wasn't enough that the machine flies themselves. I had to hire another guy to press the go button. I like it. Nice. <laughs> so works out well because now I can have a guy that's focusing on component testing all the time, which is great. All righty. But uh, we should move along. We've been gabbing now for quite some time about silliness. Yep. Do we have any news? We do have news. You guys have heard of Burt Camera, right? Of course you have. Well, then you must know all about BK Designs. Whether it's the incredibly strong and fast coreless and brushless BK servos lines the amazing precision and control of the Spartan Vortex flybarless system, or the agility of switch rotor blades, Burt and Susie Kammerer of BK Design strive to make the highest performing, 
and most affordable gear available to you so that you can take your helis to the next level. That's why, for a limited time, you can take advantage of an exclusive RCHN listener deal and get 20% off your next purchase of any of these products by going to www.bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN and using your coupon code at checkout. And hey, be sure to thank Bert and Susie for giving back to the RCHN listeners www.bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN. This week's news is brought to you by superiority.com. Dudemanlarry.com, yes. by the way. Yes. So, so cool. <laughs> All righty. What do we got for news? Okay. Did I say it right? You by the did. Way? Superiority. Oh. Yeah, you nailed it, man. Yeah, superiority. It's. I think it's ingrained. I think I got it. Yep. Okay. First news story. Uh, the we're going back to the Protos Max and all the cool stuff that MSH has been coming up with. And one of the things that you guys have probably heard about is the Power Bus. So have you guys seen this? I think uh, uh, Alex and Greg had a couple of them at our Fun Fly. Yep. This is a basically a printed wiring board that uh, matches the contours of the left side frame of the Protos Max. And what it allows you to do is basically run power electrical leads from the front of the heli up past the servos and the main drivetrain to the back of the model where your fly barless system is. Uh, so it is a $60 upgrade, which I think in the grand scheme of things is pretty damn reasonable. And what it connects is the BEC, the ESC throttle lead, uh, the RPM out, and then two up to two optional telemetry signals, as well as the elevator servo. So it gets routed over uh copper traces basically on this printed circuit board and then uh, when you get to the back of the heli there are little terminals that come out of the side of the power bus that you then plug your servo extensions into so that you can run to the fly barless system it's rated for up to 40 amps which is like way way higher than i think you could ever find a way to push through that with the signals that you're using and it weighs 18 grams. So super wow. lightweight. Uh, what I have heard, and I'm sure listeners can confirm, is that those who have been flying this, uh, when they crash, it doesn't seem to get damaged. And so hopefully this is one of those things where you're not going to run into a, you know, you have a pretty nasty crash. And now, in addition to destroying your two frame sides, <laughs> you've also destroyed your power bus. Because I'll be honest, if that were me, it would be one of those ones where it's like, well, it was a nice to have, but forget it. I'm not spending another 60 bucks. But it sure cleans everything up so nicely. Oh, it does. oh dude. And the other thing that's nice is think about like, think about how big of a pain in the ass it is to wire a heli when you've got to bring a lot of lines from the front to the back. Yes. It's messy. 
Um, there's always that, you know, thing in the back of your head where it's like, well, did I secure the lines enough or is that one going to loosen up and droop down and hit the main gear or, you know, you name it. And then you get into the or whole, how do I get make this an extension zip tie through here? Oh, dude. Yeah. I'll tell you how <laughs> you <know>? a drill. <laughs> That's why I pop holes in all of my airframes. So, yeah, there you go. Head on over to MSH USA or one of the dealers and uh, you can pick it up for $59.99. Expected shipment date is November 6th. So by the time you guys hear this, uh, I believe that they are already shipping out to those of you who have ordered them. Nice. Okay. Next up on the list. JR has recently updated their webpage to show the new JR Forza speed. So is this an actual speed or just a speed canopy? No, this actually, so you could say better than anyone, Dan, because you own a Forza or owned. Do you still own a Forza? Yeah, Yeah, okay. So you know what it looks like in the flesh. I'm not as familiar, but I did get to see a prototype of this demoed at Urcha. And while it's not a full fuselage like the R5 or a Diablo or one of those, uh, it it is a very, I'd say, advanced layout for a pod and boom. It's sort of similar to the way Goblin has done the speed uh, or the much less awesome align speed kits. So it's a two piece <laughs> system. It's got the boom cover. And then it's got the canopy. The canopy to me looks a heck of a lot more narrow and streamlined than the original Forza. And then it's got a special uh, landing gear system where it gives you that forward rake and it minimizes the amount of surface area presented to the oncoming airflow. So this guy uh, was demoed by uh, a JR pilot at Urcha Speed Cup. Wasn't able to compete because at the time it wasn't released. And there's a rule that says that if it is not uh, released and at least has sold 50 production kits, then it's not eligible for sport or open. Uh, and I got to say, it was pretty impressive. It it moved. It was up in the, I want to say, 130s or so on 12S. So it's got some potential. So here's the here's the thing though, Dan. Price? Yeah. Twelve ninety nine. Just for the airframe. Just for the airframe. What do you think about that? Well, if it if it's a if it can compete and actually be a true speed, then I, I guess that's okay. But I mean that's that's what JR does though, man. They they got expensive shit. <laughs> for know? what it's worth, it's been it way. is about the same price as a new uh, carbon edition goblin speed. So actually yeah. not too unreasonable given what it is. Right. Yeah. But if it's a, for a speed heli, maybe, but you know, I don't know. I mean, can you do 3d with it? Yeah. Why not? No different than you could do 3d with a goblin speed. Well, yeah, but it's like, you know, I don't know, buying a moped to go to <laughs> to go to Daytona Beach or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sturgis. True. Good 
Good point. All right. Next up. Now, okay, this one is for you, Dan. This one is for you, my friend. Check this out. Drone Sim. I've heard a of this. new a new sim has come out called Drone Sim. Uh now Drone Sim is as it sounds a simulator specifically for those who want to learn how to fly multi-rotors or drones. <laughs> it's brought out by a company called Cobb UAS. Uh, and actually a listener was nice enough to share this with us on our RC Helly Nation Facebook page. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, uh, because it is really weird. Uh, and I'm not even sure it's a real name, <laughs> but check out the video drone sim pro. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny because they try to make it like all, uh, I don't know, cool and exciting. They make like, it sound revolutionary. Yeah, well, like, yeah, exactly. And so, is... okay, so get this, right? Like, the the opening scene is, like, a guy flying in first person, flying a Phantom. And he's flying it around the, you know, the, um, flying it around the field. And then in picture in picture, you can actually see what the FPV version looks like. And so you can put the little uh, picture in picture down there and see yourself as a little stick dude in the simulator and they give you all sorts of different obstacles so that you can learn how to fly in and around and under stuff. Doesn't this already exist in like every other flight simulator? Well, but have you ever been in a flight simulator where you can practice flying around and videotaping a burning home? (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Who is making this simulator? They must be. Please from go to China. Uh, Timestamp fifteen seconds. I can't turn on a video during during a recording, but okay. I will definitely watch it yeah. afterwards because it'll mess with my. Audio. I am currently watching a home burn down with flames and smoke coming out of the upper floor windows. That's from ridiculous. this multi rotor sim. Yep, that's true. Did you see it, Jesse? Yeah, it's in there. It's like <laughs> just uh, smoke's just pouring I, I out of the windows. I don't know why. I mean, maybe they Look, feel like we're training for like services, dude, or I. That's a offen- that's almost offensive. it is kind of offensive. Here, here's the get deal. On, and, and no, you know, you know what, what sucks Dan, about this? You can look at your video. Get your damn phone out. Uh, I don't need to see it, dude. It's like I don't. It's like I don't need to see a car wreck. Look, the thing is. Here's what sucks about this. These people are going to market this to people who do not respect the hobby like us and all of our listeners do, right? So they're going to make a fucking killing on this this simulator, right? Because of that. Because they're going to say, we're the only ones that can show you how to really PVP. Well, they're in... PVP or FPV? Whatever. You know what? Whatever. I'm pissed off. Right? <laughs> I'm not thinking right. Because all this is going to do is encourage asshats who really have no respect for the hobby to go and do shit like that. Yeah. Oh, I trained how to do it on my simulator. I can I can do this safely. Of course I can go and look at the California wildfires. Exactly. And I can get in the way of full scales. You know? That, you know what? I wasn't thinking about that when I first saw it, but it is a good point. 
dude, it's, it's recklessness. And that's, look, that's the problem with what's happening. It's, uh, you know, and the FAA is going to continue to shove shit down our throat because of assholes like that do stuff like this. And I mean that, damn it. Uh, you sound like you mean it, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no, bullshit. No one questioned it. <laughs> it's just bullshit. You know, all this stuff that's happening, is, it's because of people that just do not think and they feel that they're entitled to throw a multi-rotor up with a camera up anywhere they want without considering the repercussions of it. Bastards. Sons of bitches. Did I say PVP? You did, dude. You went yeah, back you to did. your wow state. I did, man. I was like, I was like that was like full you, rage. Yeah. Rage. You were ready to there. cut a bitch. <laughs> you lose 50 DKP. <laughs> <laughs> More dogs. More DKP. Oh, dude. Oh, that just Don't brought back horrible sleep. memories. Who broke sleep? Okay, we're going to move on. All right. So, so Dan, <laughs> Jesse, I'm thinking Dan will not be buying Drone Sim Pro. I don't think no, he's I subscribing won't. to that yeah. one. I will not. Now, do you think you could use it as a training tool for the new employees that no. you're hiring no. at your company? <laughs> no. No, the training tools test. that we use for new employees are trainer, dro- tra- well, trainer multi-rotors. They're calling them drones. We have to, I guess we have to kind of, unfortunately, we have to uh, embrace that word. Yeah, it, it, you know, about a year ago, people were fighting it. And now I'm just seeing retailers and people all over the place just giving in. Now, here's the deal. You take it and you turn it into a positive. So it's all you, it's all there's left to do. I mean, they're, it's the, the word has been confiscated and you're, there's nothing you can do about yep. it. I mean, even people that I work with who I've given the riot act to for using that word. Now they say it and then they like stop and look at me real quick. Like, Oh shit. I said it. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. Anyway. Well. Yep. Well, moving on. The the next bit of news may be interesting to some, maybe not. Uh, Gowie has released their 2015 Urcha trailer, which, you know, it actually sounds kind of late. But if you think about the amount of effort these big companies put into their trailers, and in particular, this one's like 11 or 12 minutes long. It makes sense that it probably took them all this time, you know, the last two months or so to get it put together. And, you know, what I really like about this one is, uh, you know, obviously it's done by Gowie. And so it's Gowie centric. It shows a lot of the Gowie pilots and the helicopters and stuff like that. But there are also parts of it that go out of their way to kind of show just general Urcha life. You know, people getting set up people hanging out, uh, spectators getting ready to watch the competitions or look at the, uh, you know, the raffle prizes, that sort of a thing. So if you got a few minutes to take a look, I think it's worthwhile. Uh, You know, you can skip around if you want. You don't have to watch the entire thing. Um, But yeah, I think it's 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 a pretty darn good production. And hopefully uh, the other companies are going to come through with some additional Urcha videos so that we can see them from their perspective. Okay, who's ready for the news of the week? 
complete. It better be oh, good. Yeah. Oh, it's Let's good. It. And it comes with the need to speculate. Oh, yeah. My favorite. Okay. Love it. Did anyone see the announcement from Mr. Duncan Bosion? I didn't, but that did that happen today? I believe it did, yes. All right, so no, no I it, it happened I saw yesterday. You guys talking about it. Yesterday, sorry. Was it? Yesterday afternoon, Duncan and Gowie announced pretty much simultaneously that Duncan will no longer be on Team Gowie. What? Whoa. This one really took me by surprise. I mean, do tell what what I mean. I what? I don't have any explanation for it. Uh, so it it appears at least outwardly that it was on good terms. So Gowie yep. posted, "We at Gowie like to thank Duncan Boschen for the wonderful two years that he's been with us. He's not just an amazing pilot, but good friend as well. Uh, we will sure miss him very much." But we do understand he needs and he needs to move on to follow his dreams and goals. We like to give him warm wishes and best of luck for the future. Okay. Is he leaving the hobby? No, no, I don't think so. So then Duncan posts. And of course, people are like WTF and there are bunches of comments. And so he kind of puts like a teaser up there and says something along the lines of the next thing isn't going to be big. It's going to be enormous or something like that. So I don't know. What do we think this guy is doing? Does he, is he going to another company? Dude, I hate. I know. I agree with you. I agree. It's pretentious. Do you, do we think he's going to another company or is there a new company? We don't know about. (sighs) Not that I, not that I know. No. All right, let's say he's going to a new company. Who 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 would it be? Let's speculate. Love it. Mikado? Uh, maybe. It's good. No, it's no, no. Be... If it's if it's going to be huge, he's got to be going to the Velos. Oh, dude. <laughs> nice play on words, man. That dude, maybe so, right? Yeah, it's the only one that makes sense. A line? I, I don't think it's a line. I don't uh, think a line. I it just doesn't command that kind of. Yeah, I I don't I don't see it, and I don't see SAB either. I don't, I don't think there's room for another big head on that team. You know, Mikado's not a bad idea. That that might make sense. I'm not sure. There's some yeah. There's some arguments to be made why that one could be at near the top. Because didn't. One of their longtime mm. team guys just quit recently for Mikado. Really? Yeah, I can't. I mean, I mean, leaving the hobby, like going back to college and shit. You know. Hmm. Can we talk about that. I a few don't know. Weeks ago? I don't know. Maybe I maybe I dreamed that. <laughs> well, I I'm gonna move the speculation I mean, I to the next Mikado. level. I think he's doing his own uh, company. I think he's going to do his own heli design. What? Yeah, good. I, I he look, I'm going out on a limb here, but and certainly as as you're alluding to Dan, more often than not, those big teaser announcements aren't followed up with anything concrete. So who knows? It could all be a a big game, but 
I can't think of any other reason why he would state that as... I would agree. I agree. He says, after a lot of message receive on Facebook, the only thing I can tell you, not be ready for something big. No, no. Be ready for something huge. Well, (laughs) I I, I, kind of agree with you, Justin, but I, I, I like Jesse's logic better. Because it's got a lot. Of, I like it. So, Which yeah, one? He's going with Velos. He's going with the Velos. Thing. The Velos. Dude, Jesse, <laughs> Rob Bingham, one of our listeners, Rob, actually said, if it's big, it's got to be this. And he posted a picture of the Velos. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, uh, Yeah, okay. It's I mean, got to be something that His he own, can sure. that he can be competitive with, right? Because I don't see Duncan ducking out of the competition scene he's still up near the top if not on top regularly right yep so something of his own sure i'll go with that yeah i don't know the other thing that can kind of make that you know that would support that justin is how gowie kind of said follow his goals and dreams yep you know, it just—it doesn't seem like there's too many. You know, once you kind of reach that level, all the sponsorships, I would assume, are kind of the same. You know, so just switching from one company to the to the next, I don't see yeah, how that really could a, give him that satisfaction. Really you know, <laughs> it's not really chasing a goal and a dream. Yeah. Unless he woke you know, when he was a kid. He's like, well, someday I want to fly. Like, oh, now I can I can finally get on this team. Yeah. Like, no, I'm pretty sure you could have uh, done that. Yeah. whenever. <laughs> You could have done that anytime you, know, you wanted. Yeah, it's, it's not like there was anything really holding you back on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be something like that. I think it is. Interesting. So we won't know anything probably for another two years? I, I don't know, honestly. I, I got to believe there's going to be an announcement soon. But who knows? We will continue to Facebook creep and see if we can dig anything up that makes sense. We'll stick Nick on it. He's oh, yeah. Facebook creep. Any other news? That's all I got. You guys got anything? Jesse? Nothing. Hmm. Nope. I got nothing. Nothing. So I guess that means we'll wrap it up. This week's news was brought to you by superiority.com. Dude, man, Larry.com. I love that. I do too. URL, by the way. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're looking for some, uh, you know, website stuff, give him a call. He'll do you right. He's doing us right right now. Yeah. I could go so many ways with that. I was my mind immediately went to, but he forgot the KY. I mean, all kinds of stuff was running through my head. Okay, a loop joke. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, not quite beginner, not quite advanced, but I can appreciate it. I've finally gotten around to bringing my charging setup into the world of current technology, and wow, what can I say? From the powerful and feature-rich Dual Power Lab 8 charger to Progressive's unique and infinitely adaptable modular parallel balance board systems, I now feel like I can charge my entire fleet of packs from just two ports and a few charge leads. 
So why mess around with that old and busted charger or its accessories? Follow my lead, head over to ProgressiveRC.com and have a look at the multitude of chargers, power supplies, accessories, turnkey charging systems, and even batteries. If you're not sure what to buy or have a question about how to design your custom system, then go ahead and give the PRC team a call at 443-BATTERY and they'll get you squared away in no time. Thank you, Justin. Call the PRC team at 443-228-8379. ProgressiveRC.com. Bringing charging power to a heli near you. We should spend some time talking about electrical connectors. We've we've discussed this topic in various forms in the past few years. Uh, you know, there's always new stuff coming out, uh, but it certainly doesn't hurt with the influx of new power systems, new people, the hobby to kind of go over what's in a connector. And and this is actually spurred by a listener and friend uh, out of Australia, Josh Hilder. Some of you may know him. Uh, and so he he sent me a message and said, hey, Poochie. Uh, I'm desoldering connections left and right during speed runs. What connectors can I change to? Tried Castle and no luck. Tried different solders, new tips, blah, 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 blah. So he and I kind of talked back and forth. And and in particular, my first concern was, okay, if he's desoldering connectors, it may not have anything to do with the connector as much as it has to do with the solder. But, you know, we will get to that. Um, uh, But. You know, with the new speed models that are on the market, as well as three blade heads and these gigantic 50 millimeter motors and 200 amp ESCs, a lot more people are running 14 S that they may not be flying up at that level. But when you have a power system in a heli that's capable under certain conditions of pulling super high currents, then you're exposing yourself to risk of running into issues or, or finding what the weak point is in your electrical system. And the connectors and the solder joints are usually the ones. So what I figured we could do, Dan, is kind of just walk through uh, at a top level and see where it goes, just all things connectors. Uh, so why, why don't we start with styles first? Uh, as you guys know, there are two main styles of connectors. Now, first of all, all of them are bullets, right? Which means you've got a male right. bullet that goes into the female bullet. The female bullets are typically by standard uh, put on the battery side. Okay. Yep. And the male bullets are put on the ESC side. And you can get them in housings that carry two bullets or individual bullets, and we'll get to that in a second. But when I talk about style of bullets, the two main ones are a cage style, a spring or cage style versus a solid bullet. And I, I think they've got they both got some advantages to them. So the cage style, I think probably the best example of that is the E Flight EC series. So EC three, EC five. And what that is, uh, is a gold-plated solid bullet connector. This is, of course, on the male side. And then uh, around uh, the, the long portion of the bullet, 
there is kind of what amounts to a, uh, uh, well, it looks like a bird cage, a springy, uh, thin metal bird cage that kind of floats freely on the shaft of the, of the bullet. And it's OD is larger than the inner diameter of the female bullet so that when you press the two together, it compresses the spring cage and that uh, holds things together. Right. It kind of acts as a, a force to keep the bullets from pulling apart. Yep. Press fit. Press fit. Yes. The the solid connectors are the ones where the male looks like it is either a, a solid bullet or a hollowed out bullet. And instead of having a spring on it, uh, the manufacturer cuts slots, usually three or four or five slots around the, uh, the circumference of the bullet to kind of make individual little fingers. And then those fingers uh, sort of spring out a little bit further so that when you press them into the female bullet, those compress kind of like the cage. And that ends up acting to hold the whole thing together. And they suck, by the way. Oh, really? Okay, let's hear. So so yeah. that's, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. First off, opinions. Because everyone's got a different experience. You say well, the, the solids suck. Why? Yeah. Well, let me back up just just a bit and I'll get to that but there you mentioned the male and the female and let me relate to you an experience that um I've had with my current line of work um we ordered batteries from China from a battery manufacturer now um there seems to be a bit of confusion in in what you call a male EC5 and a female EC5 Really? Now, if you look, for example, on Progressive RC's page, yep. they have what in my mind would be the correct labeling of a male and female ESC or EC5. In that, the female side is the barrel side, yep. right? However, if you look at an EC5 connector, the male, what we would call the male side, is smaller than the side of the EC5 where the female bullet mm-hmm. lies. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I ordered batteries from China and I specced all this stuff out and I told them to put EC5 connectors in, guess what showed up? All of the batteries were soldered with what I would call male. Males. <laughs> male pins, male bullets but female EC5s. Okay, okay. So hold on. Let me make sure I'm clarifying here. So what we didn't go over is we talked about male and female bullets. You're talking about the blue plastic housing. Yeah, the housing. Okay. Those are... are, Which are opposite of the bullets for EC5s. So it depends upon... And the reason I bring that up is for most of us who have been in the hobby, we we can work around that. But if you're kind of new... Depending upon where you're getting your stuff. And I remember when I start, first started getting into the electrics, I was like, oh my God, okay, so what side should I put the battery on? And then I'm like, oh, you need to make sure everything's the same. But I mean, it all makes sense eventually that it makes sense that you need to put the female bullets on the battery. It just makes sense, right? But when you're new, that that's not quite so obvious, yeah. right? Um, so I bring that up just because to be aware of that. 
Sometimes you you may order something, especially if you're ordering from maybe China or some other place. Uh, just be aware of that. Now, back to the caged versus uh, kind of the splayed out connector. We'll call. Why don't we uh, say caged versus fingers? Fingers. Got it. So what I have found because. I have found that if uh, the, the cage works great for, uh, I think, for battery connections where you're maybe on your charger case where you're constantly going to be cycling or unplugging. Uh, the other si- the other style, the what we call them fingers, here's what I've found. If you use those on a connector, like uh, for an example, uh, on a multi-rotor to a power distribution board where you basically are only plugging them in once and then the only other time you're unplugging them is when maybe you're doing some maintenance or you're changing mm, out yep. ESCs. They work just fine for Like that. motor bullets. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Because after, if you try to use the finger style in a regular connector where you're constantly unplugging, those things sprung, they get sprung and they, they lose their elasticity really quickly, much quicker than a cage style. Have you not had that okay, experience? Okay, so you're... Yeah, I, I'm getting a little confused. You're saying that the finger style is better or worse for high cycle applications? Worse. Worse. Yes. Okay. I, I agree Absolutely with you. Absolutely worse. However, if you're using it for like an ESC uh, into like a power distribution or like Jesse said, motor bullets, where you plug them in and, and uh, then you heat shrink them, they work fine for that. Yep. Because they're not constantly being cycled. And they're not losing their connectivity because they're not. You're not forcing those fingers yep. together. So okay, I'll yep. tell you. I've had I've had both experiences. I think you're right in general, and and it's probably because your experience, along with the majority of others with fingered connectors, are like the castle style bullets, right? Like the castle five point five or six point five millimeter bullets. Uh, and I don't. I I use those. But those are really those are those those I don't really have an issue with in that bigger style because that's much beefier material and can hold up hold up to more cycles. I'm talking about a smaller connector like 3.5, right? That doesn't uh-huh. have a lot of material. To okay. Hold. Yep. So it doesn't have a lot of material to hold that springiness. And to be honest with you, I love KDE stuff and we use them on all of our stuff at work. But the last few batches of motors that we've got on all came with that style. But to Patrick's defense, most most of those, when you're prototyping, you're unplugging stuff a lot. Typically, when you build these, you plug them in once and you're done, unless you crash mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, exactly. So I don't, you don't have an issue. But for prototyping, they're horrible. So I swap yeah. them all out to cage. Yeah. Now I gotcha. I think I agree with you. The the cage, on the other hand. Uh, they are really great for cycles, for for high cycle count applications. But what I find with the cages, or at least the cages that I've had before, is that um, they will eventually break. Like the little the little edges of the bird cage will eventually crack or break or bend in, and now you're losing that pressure that keeps the whole thing put together. Have you guys noticed that with your and your conductivity? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. 
especially I, on I like the, the EC fives are worse than EC threes for me in my experience. But do you think that happens faster than like the finger style not wanting to spring back out? No, I guess if you're looking at it from well, just a cycle standpoint, I, I yes, I do for the finger styles that I use. So I'll just go ahead and say, other than EC3s, all of the connectors that I use are finger style, not caged. And I guess I think I'm okay with that because you're talking about five, five millimeter and greater. Yeah. And there's, like I said, that material is such that that springiness doesn't go away so easily. I mean, I've had, I've had a recent experience with the cage stuff. Now, uh, without going into to detail, let's see. Um, so I am using an EC3 in kind of an unconventional way. And in, so, in, in doing that, what is happening is the alignment of, of the connector um, is hidden. And, and so the female side of the connector is if you look at an EC five, the way it's held, it actually, the, 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 the connector itself, the female connector and the male connector are designed so that there is a very small, but very important amount of play. In other words, they're not hard mounted and rigid. Right. And that's very important to the self aligning design of the cage style. Uh, so what I've been experiencing, if it, if you are rough with those, or if you're, I don't know, I don't know, I guess I'm, I can't think of a way you can do that, but I feel like if you if you uh, are connecting, yeah, hmm. So people, if you don't grab, I'm trying to think of a best way to word this. So there's the ridges on the EC3s yes. and the yep, EC5s. Yep. If you're not, if you're, if you are not holding those when you're separating the EC5s, you can when you're and you're pulling them straight apart when you when they pull together or get pushed together if those alignments are being forced without allowing those pins to float like they are designed to do the cages themselves start to start to uh deform exactly yeah so like it, for example if you were to grab it by both ends of the wires right because the wires connect directly to the bullet and the bullet floats inside of the housing and so if right. you grab the wires and you're yanking on the wires, it is causing the connector on the end of the wire to crank in whatever or cock in whatever yep. direction the force is on. And then that makes it a it makes it a lot more difficult to pull it out of or pull the connectors apart and puts a lot of stress on your solder joints, by the way. And yes. B, it does exactly what you're talking about, which is it eventually strains those cages Yep. I've actually seen those cages go completely flat. Now, not in the heli world, but in right. my world at work. <laughs> and you completely lose all semblance of connection and motors and whatever you're plugged into just will stop working because there is, there is I mean, you start getting the burn marks. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, man. And then bad things start to happen. So that is the downfall, I guess. But I still feel I, I now again. I think size matters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Zing, size matters. Uh, the the if you're like Justin, you like the fingers and the five millimeters and greater, and I I think there's enough material, like I said. But the smaller ones, 
I, I don't like. I the, I agree with you. Style. I think that's that's a yep. good point. Um, so uh, actually, before before we we go with that, Dan, because it sounds like the point you brought up suggests that maybe some people might have issues pulling EC five style connectors apart. You want to know a cool trick? Yeah, uh, snap ring pliers or needle yes. nose pliers. Because yes. you know how when you put the two housings together and they're connected, there's that little tiny bit of space in between the positive and the negative barrels on the housing. Yep. And it's just enough, probably about a half an inch, to get the fine points of uh, either needle nose pliers or, like I said, snap ring pliers in there. And basically, you just pull the pliers apart and it pops the connectors right open. Or if you get like um, the e clip pliers, yeah, right? That yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. You just squeeze them down, and they yep. they separate. Yeah, yep. yeah, perfect. Yeah, it works on EC threes, and it works on EC five. So, uh, because yeah, that that's actually one of my bigger complaints. I'm gonna try that with a Dean's connector. Ooh, <laughs> just cram it in there. <laughs> just shove it right in the middle of a Dean's connector. See if I can melt that bastard. Now, okay, so the Dean's connectors is is a, a completely different style, right? We've been talking yes. bullets. Dean's aren't even bullets. They're like um spade. Yeah, it's a spade, exactly, with like mm-hmm. a thin springy bit of metal to hold things together. Yep. And does anybody use those anymore? I remember when everybody Oh man, that used was the them. connector of choice. And it was such a pain in the I ass. Use them. To those I use them a lot. Wires. You know yeah. what I use them on? my charging uh, system. BCs. Yeah. Do you do? Yeah, because so I I use the uh the Progressive RC modular parallel boards, balancing boards. Yeah. And yeah. so they come with deans on the top to connect your charge leads. So I've just gone through and converted all of my charging over to deans on the input side with whatever connectors I'm using on the actual battery on the other end. But I still have one set of Deans in my charging case right now, connecting my cooling fans to my power supplies. I use micro Deans. For oh, that. there you go. Oh, there you go. Yeah, remember those but, those micro yep. Deans that I bought? Yeah, the ones. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> shopping while stoned, right? Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So that that I think kind of brings us to um, another point, which is connectors for different applications. And and what I mean by that is current. We talked about Deans. Most of the time, people won't go above 60 amps, which is its nameplate rating. I I personally have and not seen a problem, but I've also talked to people that have gone up to 80 or 100 amps and come down with the little plastic melted and the spades shifted. So I, I I put Dean sort of in the same category as like an EC three, which is also, I think 50 to 60 amps for the little models, like a, you know, three sixty class or below. Yeah. I wouldn't have any problem using either of those. My personal preference is EC threes. I still I use EC2s as well. On what? Well, if I just need to make a a small gauge connection somewhere, you know. I mean, I I don't use them a lot, but I keep them. I keep them around. 
I don't know especially how, how a lot of these 380s, 360s are 6S now. Like the the amps are that much lower. That yeah, that's true, dude. And so yeah, the those EC3 connectors are perfect. Okay, so what about 6 and 700 class? 5 6 700s. What do you guys use? I'm I'm an EC5 guy all the way. Yep, a caged style EC5. Yep, I just I can't for better or for worse, this last year more for worse. Why? Why? <laughs> why do you say that, Jesse? I had the, the yeah, multiple of, unsoldering. Yes. Ah, okay. Without with with little to no real explanation, honestly. I mean, I swapped them out to the same style with a new. You know, it was a brand new connector that I put on there that fixed it eventually. So and and it wasn't that, was, that the cage has had come loose. No. Nope, it was not that the cage was not damaged at all on that connector. Um, but yeah, that was just you know that was earlier this year. So luckily, receiver pack and didn't you know didn't really affect the heli. Landed it safely both times. But yeah, multiple power losses from EC five connectors desoldering on my Man. series connector in between my packs. Man, that yeah um, that sounds and, like a reason to try something different. Well, and it, it was actually, I mean. It was a legitimate desolder because you know you can you can tell if it's all kind of black and nasty or in in my case it was nice and shiny. I mean it had literally reached the temperature to desolder. Had a nice little cone shape. Yeah, shape. Yep, yeah, exactly. Nothing That's crazy. Dirty. It it just it desoldered itself. So, so you know that that bears mentioning if if it isn't that you suck at soldering, which I think we'll get into here soon. Uh, then, Could be. then, you know, the next thing you'd oh. want to look at is how tight is the bullet sitting inside of the barrel, the female housing. Um, and, and with the cages, the crappy part is, is that when they start losing tension, there's not a lot that you can do. I've heard of people actually replacing them by stealing the cage off mm-hmm. of a new connector. I, I don't, I don't know that. why the hell you wouldn't wow. Dude, just desolder it and put a new one on there that that is even below me justin you wouldn't do that huh i would not do that (laughs) it's too important of a feature to to, yeah exactly press on with your fingers i I do gotta say so you mentioned the you know maybe suck at soldering remember there was that dirty tip conversation that we had (laughs) and, and i did on that last one i cleaned my tip so even with a clean tip you no 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 it hasn't happened since I replaced uh-huh. the tip. Okay. So okay. Could, that could have been playing into the issue. It could have, you know, everything's correct technique-wise for soldering, but you're not, you know, dirty tip, not getting the heat transferred in there. So how long had it been since you replaced the soldering tip on your iron? Um, Probably a year. Ooh. Well, I guess it depends on how yeah. much soldering you do. I go probably through about one year. about every couple of months. Okay. Yeah, it's probably been about a year on that one. Well, and mm. so, you know, okay, the the nice thing, again, another another thumbs up for the fingered versus the caged. Uh, and the nice thing about that is if they do start losing tension, all you got to do is... Slide a razor blade down there. Yeah. Or jam a like an M3 hex driver, and it just yeah. kind of spreads the fingers out a little bit. Now, 
you can't keep doing that over and over again because eventually they'll fatigue and they will break off. But it's a lot easier to kind of restore those back to health, assuming that they're clean and they don't have a lot of, you know, soot and nastiness or arcing damage. But doesn't that make you nervous when you have to re-tension those by bending them back out? Uh, I, th- I mean, that makes me nervous. I think I one of the one nervous. of the main things, though, is being able to realize that they're loose. So making sure that the housings aren't super tight, kind of like you were talking yeah. about earlier with the EC5s, being able to feel that that tension, you know, is isn't there anymore. Uh, that's a good point. How? Because if, if the housings are super tight, you're never going to know if those bullets are loose. But if the housings are loose and give you some room for flexibility you're going to feel if that bullet doesn't have good tension when you're making that connection. I think it's a little bit easier to detect. Well, and that's okay. So, so let's, let's go there. Let's talk about, let's talk about maintenance and replacement. How, how do you, how do you make sure Jesse that you're not feeling the, the friction of the housing and it's making you think that your bullets are fine. And then you go and desolder it because they really weren't. So, well, for EC5s, most of the time, you know, once you check, once I check them once, you know, when I initially solder up that connection, I could tell if the housings are too tight and I will typically, I'll swap it out if it's too tight, just so that I know that, that, that I'm actually feeling the bullets engaging. I guess the only, you know, playing the devil's advocate to that is you're plugging in both bullets at the same time. Um, so you may not be able to just distinguish if one or the other is starting to get loose that's a good point i don't um, do a damn thing to them until i start seeing some slight discoloration i use a uh, triflow gr- grease i grease up the housing oh uh, i yep. used i've done white lithium yeah yeah you um, could do that or like uh nick has talked about before the dielectric grease yep that way and, and it's not even it's not so much to make it so that it's frictionless but so that it's first of all, it's a hell of a lot easier to pull the damn things apart. Yeah, <laughs> because, man, I, I've had sore fingers after a day of pulling EC fives apart and pressing them back together, especially when you get those ones where the bullet pops it like snaps into the housing and it's sort of crooked so that every time you put the thing together, it's got a lot of force against the barrel. But, you know, if you keep the housings lubed, then at least if you're if you're even paying attention to that sort of a thing, you should get a feel for whether the the tension on the fingers and or the cage uh, is is loosening as time goes on. Yeah, that makes sense. I you know, I got to tell you, I'm probably um, I am probably so guilty of never even worrying about them. I've got helicopters that are five years old that I've probably never put new connectors. And in. maybe that's okay, dude. I mean, you gotta so you gotta look at the connector and see if it shows signs of damage. Yep. Yeah, that's typically when I'll replace them if I can see. Just you, you know, you just take a look, and I, you know, you can kind of see that pitting, dirty, pitting, a little bit of just yeah. looks. That's off. what you want to look for. Is pitting is the number one thing. If you start getting pitting, especially if it's uh, 
if it looks like it is in the area of the spring cage or anything like that, usually it's right on the tip. Um, and the tip can get deformed enough to the point where now when you press it in. Is there a pit in your tip? No one likes yeah. deformed tips. No one likes a pit. That's in true. Tip. You're right. A hole is yeah, one thing, but a pit, man. Not good. Better go see a That's doctor. That's correct. Something's <laughs> not right. <laughs> so I, uh, I, when I was running EC5s, I would usually change them out. I'd say probably once a year and you know, that's not really the guideline you should use. It's not a time thing. It's more of a cycle thing. None of the ESCs that I have uh, or had at the time had anti-spark on them. And so that's really where you get the pitting um, is when you first plug the things in and you've got to charge up the input caps on the ESC, you get a big spark. Uh, and so I'd say probably about once every hundred to 150 cycles on the EC fives, they seem to get pitted and dirty enough to the point where I felt it was worth changing them. Now I know you can clean, yeah, you can clean them. Mm. That's no, that's crazy. In my previous years, I would have gone broke on connectors. Maybe that's I changed them out every hundred. Maybe that's why I hate buying. Connect- <laughs> been like once a well, week. Well, okay. Yeah. So hold on. That's the thing, though, Jesse. Right. So that for me, that's only once a year, if that, because yeah. we're talking about I've got a couple of sets of packs per model, right? So on any given set of packs. Yeah, but what about your? Yeah, your speed, ESC. Your, your yeah, ESC but one. the speed controller is one set, right? So that's not a big deal. Okay. If I got to do two per set, two per flight pack in a stick arrangement for however many packs I've got for that model or models that share them, then you add up connectors quickly. You're right. But yep, yep, yep. I could never see myself committing to that kind of schedule. Yeah, and I and I hey, I'm okay with admitting it's over conservative. It, it certainly the way I fly 3D, it is on speed. It isn't. Now I watch connectors yeah. like a hawk on speed. Yeah, but you use those fancy ones. Yes, I do. Yeah, I use the RC Pro Pluses. And they're like $20 a piece. They are expensive, but they, so they're a <laughs> fingered version, Dan. But what's cool about them is that they've got actually an, an additional feature. Uh, and I think those who have used the bullets that come with the, the Scorpion motors know about this. Mm-hmm. They have like a little detent to them. So inside the barrel, if you look all the way down at the back end of the barrel, uh, the the inside diameter sort of opens up a little bit uh, past a step. And the tip of the bullet has the four fingers And it's a constant diameter until you get right up to the tip and then it kind of expands out a little bit. So when you press it into the barrel, the fingers crunch down and then the tip slides over the um, the little detent and it snaps into place and you can actually hear the snap. Hmm. And what's really nice about that is um, you don't have to rely on the housing to hold things together. Uh, it's, it's a nice positive snap and it takes a fair amount of strength to pull them apart. 
We're still talking about helis, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that Jesse's way You're of right, saying he's dude. bored of talking about connectors? I, I have oh. to admit that at some point, as just, <laughs> as I was describing, that the tip of the bullet expands out, that I, I thought yeah. we might be... Yeah, it was almost yeah. downhill. See, I, I'm I, thinking you know, Dan I has actually, the image of a penis in his head right now. No, no. See, I, oh. I was like, I'm going to take this conversation seriously, right? And I'm not going to let the juvenile um, ways that we typically, you know, because we suck at maturity, <laughs> right? I was really making a solid attempt to keep it above board. Jesse brought us right back down. It's Jesse's fault yep. this time. It's to be expected. It's all on you, Jesse. It's a, I was just confirming. I was completely on board with you guys. I just wanted to make sure. I know there was listeners asking the same thing. They were. Yep. And so I know if I was thinking it, there's 10 other people thinking the same I, thing. So I just wanted to confirm. I'm talking man. about a little golden dick. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And there goes Jesse. All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Let, let's finish up on current levels. EC5s. You guys remember what the current capability of the EC5 is? Uh, 120 amps. Yeah, 120. Got it. Yep. Okay, and that's a 5 millimeter bullet, as the name would suggest. You go up from there to the 6 millimeters, and there are a whole handful of different 6 millimeters. Uh, there are the uh, PRC6s. There are the RC Pro Plus Supra Xs that I like to use that are individual Castle bullets. bullets. Huh? Castle, Castle bullets. bullets are the sixes Castle as ones. well. Yep. Uh, there are the AS150s, which are six millimeters. And then do you guys remember the connector type that Nick uses? No. Why am I drawing a blank I on this one? I'm going to find that here before the end but uh that is another six millimeter bullet type and so the six millimeters depending on the exact configuration uh first of all there i think i've i'm i have only ever seen fingered six millimeter bullets i've never seen any with cages uh maybe i'm wrong there i'm sure a listener can correct me uh but most of the six millimeter bullets are capable of between 180 and 220 amps. So I'd say in general, the six is about as big as most people go. And that's that's continuous current. That's not peak. So the only time right. you're going to see continuous current in that range is usually on speed models. Or if you are just beating the piss out of a 3D heli, maybe a three blade head. The uh, the next step up from there are eight millimeter bullets. And actually, Progressive RC has a, a PRC eight. Have you ever seen those things? No, I don't think I have. Oh, dude, they're as big around as like your pinky finger. <laughs> they're freaking huge. Um, those are capable of 300 amps. Oh, I know one guy, my buddy Todd, uh, owner of Diablo Speed number 14, who has elected to use uh, 300 amp PRC 8s. Because he he had the same experience as you, Jesse. He desoldered his connectors and said, screw it. 
not dealing yeah. with it anymore. Going all I'm out. going all out. Yep. Okay, so Knicks were the RJX XT150s. Yes. Also a fingered bullet style. So should we talk briefly about soldering? I think so, yeah. Soldering's yeah. very... Uh, it's a key part. It is. Okay, so once you have selected your bullet, uh, obviously you got to get it soldered. Make sure you pay attention to the actual gauge of wire that you're going to be soldering in there. Most of these 5 and 6 millimeter bullets are good up to between 12, 10 and 12 gauge. If you're going to try to fit an 8 gauge in there without being stupid about it, you probably want a 6 or 8 millimeter bullet. Uh, but if, if you're creative, you can get it squeezed in. What is the key to a good solder joint? A Eating up tip. both sides. Hold on. Jesse. <laughs> Jesse. Holy shit. Did you just say a big tip? It's true, though. Is it? It is true. No, it, it isn't. Just, I use my Radio Shack butane torch. Butane yeah, tip. Well, got I, I found. It's got a tiny ass little tip. Is it a pencil? Yeah, it's like a pencil size Dick? tip. It's like a pencil That's tip? right. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, I didn't, I, dude, seriously, when I used your butane torch, it had it now. Yes. I liked your yes. butane torch. Maybe it gets hotter. It does. It does. Higher temperature. Well, okay. So there you go. There's the trick. Okay. So yeah, you, you got to use the iron that you're looking for here, at least in my experience is a minimum of 60 to 65 Watts. If it's electric. Uh, and, and it depends on the condition too. If you want to do soldering at the field, even that's not going to get it done. As I think Dan, you try not to do it in the yeah, wind. Don't do it in <laughs> the wind. I really like my Radio Shack butane torch. It you can throw it in your pocket. It's wireless, obviously, very easy to use. Um, you got to get a hot iron. You got to make sure the tip is clean, as Jesse has learned. Yep. So that means uh, you should get like one of those little soldering station uh, sponges, either the sponge or what pad. I really like is the, yeah, the brass Brillo pads, even better than the sponge. Um, you got to make sure that it is nice and tinned up. And then the number one key thing is a non-thermally conductive working surface. So Absolutely. I learned that the did hard you? way. Oh, dude. You know, I, let me... Okay, so let's go back, I don't know, two years in the show when I first started kind of getting into the electric stuff. And you guys might remember I kept bitching about these damn soldering all these EC5s and stuff, and it was just miserable, and I was having a horrible mm -hmm. time doing it. And um, I think it was you, Justin, that suggested I pick up one of those um, from Progressive RC, those little, uh, it's little the solder uh, buddies. What it's made out of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't even know what is that. Is that like a Delrin? What is that made out uh, of? Yeah, it's, anyway. it's, yeah, it's some, sor some sort of plastic. Yeah, and it, it, it's thermal. It, like, lets, it lets the – so it, basically what I'm getting at is I was doing stuff like uh, holding the, um, uh, the connector with a small vice grip. Right. And it's damn impossible. I mean, you just get shitty results. It's conducting all the heat away from it's it. Drawing all the heat away from where you need it. Yep. Once I got one of those things from Progressive RC, it all made sense to me. 
So do yourself a favor. You know what else works really well is um, clothes hanger pin. Clothes hanger. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. One. Right. Wooden. A clothes pin. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You know what? Going even more ghetto DIY. Piece of two by four. Drill out the holes. Yes, and a drill. drill some That's holes. right. That works. The point work. is you need something to secure your connector down that isn't going to suck all the heat out. So a piece of metal is not going to do it for you. And and a good nope. test of this is uh, when you're filling up the connector with solder, you should be able to heat that thing up, get it, get it nice and filled, and then observe that the surface of the liquid solder stays liquid for 10 or more seconds before it starts to solidify. And that's a sign that you've got a hot connector. It's going to stay hot while you make sure that the wire that you're about to put in it is preheated. So, okay, so we figured out the connector. You got to put it in a non-conductive thing, heat it up, fill it with solder. Well, not fill it, but get it filled up with solder. You got to pre-tin your wire side because it's not going to stick very well if it's not pre-tin. Um, biggest tip I can give on the wire that I when I watch people do this in person, I don't know if they don't realize they're doing this or they just don't realize that it's a big deal. You've got to tin the entire circumference of the wire. Yes. 360 degrees around. <laughs> I mean, I've stood over yeah. people's shoulders where they like heat up the end of the wire they blast a load of solder in there. It kind of drips down and falls off. And then when it cools, only like 40% of the wire tip has actually been tinned. Mm -hmm. yeah. You are asking for it, guys, if you do it that way. Make sure it gets nice and hot. Get all of it. You should be able to see the little strands of wire kind of floating around in the liquid solder rotate the wire around is what i do and make sure that you get it all over then go back to your connector heat it up so it's molten again hit the tip of the wire again or if you've got uh if you got the skill to hold the wire and the soldering iron to the connector at the same time you can actually heat the connector body while putting the tip of the wire on the other side of the soldering iron and so now they're both heating up. Pull the soldering iron away and drop the tip of wire in there and then keep heating the connector until you see uh, the solder actually start to creep up the wire. When you're looking down into the barrel, you should see the little meniscus of the solder liquid roll up on the wire. And then you know you got a solid connection. Um, the other key is when you put the wire in there, guys, make sure that it's pressed up against one side of the inside of the connector and that it's not floating in a pool of solder with no physical contact with the metal barrel. Do you guys do that? No. Jesse? No, I no, can't no. say that I intentionally. I Put it up to one side. You do? Yes. You do? I okay, do. good. Good. Bravo. I think, I think that's something you told me a long, long time ago. Most people don't. And, and the, the reason is, guys, that at the end of the day, 
the conductivity between the uh, the wetted wire and the actual gold plated connector is a lot better than through a couple of millimeters of solder plug. Right. And so you want to try to minimize the amount of resistance in that joint because the reason why it desolders is because you did a crappy job. It's high resistance. And then you push current through it. It heats up and desolders. Now, one thing to my defense is most of the time <laughs> when you're putting 10, 10 gauge wire in a five millimeter bullet, yeah, it's touching all sides. That, that <laughs> yeah. Fair point, Jesse. Absolutely <laughs> but true. So it's not something I've really had to think about. But <laughs> When you try to solder in a 20 gauge wire into an EC3. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's problematic. Yep, exactly. Yep. Makes sense to me. I love soldering. I hated it when I didn't really understand how to do it. It is actually somewhat therapeutic to me. I agree. It is. It's now Justin yes. question. How do you prevent the solder from wicking up the wire? Yeah, because that's one thing I don't and do. You're like, you suggest you know, you got a nice quarter to a half an inch of stiff wire because the solder just sucked itself right up. Yeah. Okay. So that's a little bit more tricky. Um, but what I like to do on that one. So the key the key to preventing solder wicking is not heat soaking out your wire. Okay, so what a lot of people will do is when they pre-tin their wire, they either have uh, too low of a power of, of a soldering iron or they're just not very effective at getting the solder in there. So they're just heating the shit out of this thing. And we're talking copper wire. It's very conductive. So it sucks all the heat from the tip of the wire anyway up into the, the body of the wire. And then as you start reaching solder melting temperatures, uh, when that solder melts, if you don't get it nice and tinned and then pull the soldering iron off of it quick enough, then it will soak up the wire to the, the point in the wire where the temperature is cooler than its melting point. Um, so you gotta, you've got to get the tip nice and hot before you put any solder on it and you can kind of poke around and, and check to see if, if the, if touching the solder wire to the actual eight or 10 or 12 gauge wire tip doesn't cause the solder wire to melt, uh, then the tip of the wire isn't hot enough. Okay. And then you quickly wet everything out and take the soldering iron away. And then when you put it into the connector, you got to make sure that you only heat up the tip of the wire to the point where it becomes wet again, liquidy. And then you heat from the barrel. Wait for the meniscus and yep. then pull the pull the soldering iron away and start blowing. Yeah, I know. One, one thing I can... <laughs> uh, kind of a, another question would be on larger gauge wire, you know, your 10 and 12 gauge, does it really matter if it wicks up? Because I, I know at the smaller gauges, you know, your 18 to 22, I've had it where it wicked up and it actually broke at that spot. Yep. But I've found with the larger wires, it just... Sure, you, it, it kind of makes it a pain to either route the wire, or plug it in, but I've never actually had a connection fail or break at that point on larger gauge wire. Yeah, that's a good question, Jesse. For the larger gauge, I think it depends on how 
you know, how you're pulling it apart and plugging it back in each time. Mm-hmm. I do my best to prevent it unless I'm in a hurry and it's just, you know, okay, I'm going to roll with it. If you if you uh, let it wick far enough, even on the large gauge, mm-hmm. depending on the way the wire is constructed, um, go and do 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 cycles on it and then go and cut the insulation back and expose the hardened part up to the part where it's it's uh, no longer wicked. And what you're going to start to see is that the little tiny strands that make up the bigger bundle of wire that are around the outer diameter will start to either kink or just break off altogether. And so now you're slowly reducing the amount of copper that you have to conduct that current. And of course, the resistance then goes up. Insert dick joke. <laughs> no, I we I, we kind of have gone a little overboard on the like the genitalia stuff tonight. So I I've actually been holding back. Wow, we hit your. Limit? We haven't. Wow. No, uh, dude, my limits way <laughs> past this. Dude, we but I'm our trying to limit. prevent from getting a bunch of hate mail. I can already probably come up with two or three people I think I'm going to hear from, but. <laughs> well, I think we covered this topic pretty good, don't you think? I mean, we're. Uh, I think so. It's a lot of information. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. I was, I'm actually surprised when, when Justin, you suggested we talk about connectors. I'm like, um, we doing a five minute show this you week. Soderman and <laughs> and and honestly, there's a whole hell of a lot more we could talk about. But yeah, we gotta we gotta draw the line somewhere. If we there's do. stuff in there that we didn't make clear, or you guys have questions on that we didn't hit on, feel free to to email us or you know post to Facebook. Yep. Um, thanks to uh, Josh for being the inspiration for this week's show topic. For those of you that have been in the hobby for some time, I'm sure you've heard of the name Burt Kammer. Well, if not, he's the owner of BK Designs. BK Designs represents a whole line of products ranging from high-speed servos for all sizes of helicopters, Spartan flybarless systems, and even the newest edition, switchblades. For me, the thing I like the most is how BK Designs has chosen to give back to all the listeners of RC Heli Nation. They are offering a 20% off discount code just for being a listener. All you have to do is head over to bkdesignsllc.com forward slash RCHN to get your discount code. I want to say to Perry Shirley, thank you for your help, buddy. And if you guys have any questions about gas stuff gaspoweredthoughts.com check it out he's got the answers uh moving along from that just a you know a little little plug for my friend what can i say why not you know what the hell um let's see do we have any announcements any any events that uh we want to talk about or anything um happening anybody's letting anybody know i mean i know Mm. port uh, st lucie happened this weekend yeah port st lucie and then also the um the Southwestern Heli oh, Rodeo, right. right? Down, Down in, in Arizona. Arizona right? Both yeah. at the same time. Yep. 
Justin's getting ready to go down to OHB here in a few weeks. I am. Nice. Um, other than that, for us up here in the Northwest. Pretty quiet. It's uh, cold. <laughs> yeah, I drove home in a blizzard last night. Oh. Yeah, we're not there yeah, yet. It was dude. Like it's just rain. Zero visibility. Just Man. snow. Crazy. So, yeah, it's there. It's happening. Uh, let's uh, emails. Let's do some emails real quick. Uh, Jesse, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You could send me an email to jesse at rclnation.com or catch me on Facebook. Justin? You could send me an email to justin at rclnation.com or catch me on Facebook or the forums. If you wanted to send an email to Nick, you could reach him at nick at rchelynation.com. Uh, always on Facebook. You'll be able to catch him there. I am Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchelynation.com, also on Facebook. Um, got a store question, a citizen card question, or just want to say hi and thank you, you could uh, send that email to ken at rchelynation.com. Uh, diligently working to get the shirts and citizen cards out to you guys. Does a ton of stuff in the background. Ken, thank you for all your help. Uh, the webpage, I haven't seen any. I, I know that it's being worked on, and I know that there's some mock-ups um, that, that Nick and um, Larry are kind of working on. So I, I'm i excited, and I think that's probably going to happen quicker than maybe we anticipated from yeah. the sounds of it. Uh, so that's like rolling, around, rolling along nicely. Uh, Facebook page. Oh, geez. I don't know. 45, 40, 600, somewhere in there? Yeah, 46 plus, I think. Thank you for your support on Facebook. Um, in the wintertime, Facebook for us will probably slow down a little bit because there's really not a lot going on unless one of us does something silly and we want to tell everybody about it, like Justin's scrotum pictures. Yes, yep. unless you have a collage to post. <laughs> so watch out for that. Who knows? Might turn you on. You might uh, have to send Justin a little love note. <laughs> Just saying. Never know, right? You're up for that. Hey, did you get... I, Lottie went somewhere, right? Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, man. Lottie Prosek. That was a surprise. Did we know that was going to happen? friend here from the Pacific Northwest. He was also the one that did uh, his own yes. trailer video, video for our fun fly. He is moving back to Europe. Aww. Yeah, man. And the fun flies are not going to be the same without. No, that dude they're not, around. dude. Absolutely. My my weekends missed. aren't during the season because he's a, he used to yeah. be in my club. So, yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. I wish him the best of luck. It's too bad uh, he had to. Move. Well, I, he didn't have to. It's just a choice that he made. He's you know he's moving on, trying something else. It wasn't a uh, any negative circumstances, luckily. But and. You know, that's where his family's yes, from, right? Absolutely. I mean, he's going back home essentially. So good for him. We will we will miss you out here in the Northwest though, Laddie, and I know you'll be listening. So uh thanks for all you did out here. You'll be missed. Uh let's see. I gosh, I think that about wraps it up, right? Yeah. Uh if you, oh wait, one more thing. If you have a question now and like tonight, not I, I, this this question actually kind of sounded like it went straight to you, Justin. It didn't come that's through right, the question. Yeah. However, like we did tonight, pretty much dedicated a whole topic to one question. If you have something similar, um, you could send it to question. Is it questions or question? I think it's questions. Both. Questions. Questions. 
at rcalienation.com. Uh, you know, or send direct if you'd like. But uh, what we're looking for on that questions email is like actual audio clips. Everybody's got the ability to turn on their Samsung or their iPhone or whatever you got and record a note, right? You can just record a voice memo, send it to us. We'll, we will play it on the air and then we'll do our best to mock you relentlessly. <laughs> is, is it getting late, guys? Inspirational. That one almost kind of passed. I, well, I was going to come up with me. something, but I'm going to roll just, with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so send us those, and we will uh, do our best to answer them, and uh, then we can be corrected where we are mistaken. And I do think that about wraps it up, guys. This has been episode 208. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. See you next Monday. Later, guys. Till next week. Take it easy, dudes. Keep the tips clean. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you by Soko Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, and Superiority. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. <laughs>